This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I am your host, Tate Frazier, and today we have the Ringer's very own Brian Curtis of the Press Box. He's going to talk about the NBA media landscape and just the media landscape in general. He's one of the best in the business. And now, coming up, Brian Curtis. All right, welcome into Through the Ringer, and I am joined by the Press Box's very own Brian Curtis. What an honor. Thanks for coming on the show, man. The honor is all mine, Tate Frazier. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's it's great to talk to you anytime. You came on One Shining Podcast already earlier in the year. We talked about some of the biggest stories in media. That's what you cover, obviously, on the Press Box and on TheRinger.com. So if you uh, are a fan of media, go read Brian Curtis and listen to him. So uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about the current state of NBA media, because uh, that is always a conversation that we have in the world of media in general. And one of my favorite stories that you wrote recently was about the big three in media, the big three commentators in the NBA playoffs, and we'll run through those guys. But in general, what is the, the, you called it almost a golden era. Are we in the golden era of NBA commentating? I feel like Joe Biden doing the State of the Union here. (laughs) Tate, the state of NBA media is strong. Strong. It's very, very strong. The league is in good hands. It's in good hands. What's interesting to me is when you listen to NBA podcasts, including our own, Mm. they are wonderfully nerdy. Nerdy in the best sense of the word, very intricate, full of stats, full of schemes, all that kind of yes. stuff. Matchups. And matchups. And then you watch a playoff game on television, and it is designed to appeal to my mother in law, mm-hmm. who always comes to me this time of year and says, Are we still playing basketball in May? Are we still playing basketball in June? I'm like, Yeah, they're still playing basketball in June, but that's what TV is for. It has to take somebody who's a casual fan who can just sit down, who hasn't watched basketball all year, and enjoy the game and not feel like they are missing it's something. It's basically let's hold your hand and let's walk you into this. So, you know, it's a, it's a it's a guidance that you need as a casual fan because you haven't watched all 82 games. You haven't been tuned in. You don't know all the intricacies that are going on. You try to make it layman terms as best you can. Totally. So we got these two different platforms. One super intricate, one that's kind of <laughs> where mostly it's always been and I'm always interested to see if they creep toward each other. If TV gets a little more podcasty, a little more intricate, and who knows? Maybe it will. Well, speaking of podcasting, let's talk about that. That is the commentators, and we'll get back to the big three there. But the, the NBA players, there's been a movement of the platform, right? This is yeah. the platform era. Everyone wants to have their own platform. They want to have their own podcast. We see Paul George, Draymond Green, Pat Beverly, all these sort of guys all have their own podcast. They quote unquote control their own narrative. How different is that from you know the media scene that you grew up in? I grew up in. I mean, it feels all very, very fresh and new, but also very similar because these players are kind of 
just instead of having a beat reporter asking the questions, they're asking themselves and giving their opinions. That's totally what it is, right? They just <laughs> took the post-game press conference and like, oh, I can do that. Right. And I'm waiting for Tate and Brian to go, hey, how critical was this win? What can you say about Gabe Vincent coming mm. off the bench with 29 points and being undrafted in the process? And they're like, I can freestyle that for 15 or 20 minutes, give you additional thoughts, and get paid for it. Mm. It's my podcast. I own it. So, of course, I'm going to try to do that. Now, the funny thing is I found that these are really interesting if the player is still in the playoffs. Like Draymond's podcast had a lot of crackle last year because he was in the NBA Finals. They're about to win a title. PG3 right now? Okay. <laughs> right. You know, okay. Are yeah. we interested? Yeah, you, Maybe. Can, you can bring in some of the other stars around the league. They might share a little anecdote or a story, but usually the ones that get aggregated, right, in this yeah. aggregated media scene, they're the ones that are about the guys that are currently in the playoffs. Like if Jalen Green comes on Podcast P, the Podcast P show, and tells a story about Jimmy Butler, then that is what is going to get aggregated and yes. pumped up because we're talking about the guys who are actually in the playoffs. Totally. Anything between athletes, any secrets of the locker mm -hmm. room, right? Little hints of things we don't see. That's big. But in terms of like being a daily, weekly must listen, you know, kind of, maybe. And there's a lot of podcasts, as yeah. we know here at The Ringer. At there, The Ringer? <laughs> there, are a lot, there are a lot of podcasts and a lot of people tuning into podcasts, which we appreciate. The fascinating angle to me to the player podcasting and the creating of the platform is, you know, we see inside the NBA. You see Charles Barkley, you see Kenny Smith, you see Shaquille O'Neal. And I think that there's always been a conversation of who's the next Barkley, right? That's kind of this um, evergreen question because Barkley keeps reing up his deal and keeps coming back. But, <laughs> quote, unquote, who is the next Barkley? And it feels like some of these podcasts, is that a reason why you do a podcast? You kind of get the reps in and you maybe are showcasing yourself for a show like Inside the NBA? Or is it just simply to control your own narrative? I think a lot of those guys would happily become the next Charles Barkley. Yeah, it's a good gig. But I think they even more want to become the next Peyton Manning. Mm. Whereas Omaha. I work for the network, but I also own my own stuff. I'm also a producer, mm. right? I have something on ESPN, but my back end is doing all this producing, right? right? I, I, I am the network, the head of the network, not just the talent on the network. And I think that's what a lot of these guys really want. And it, lead, it lends itself to this whole conversation about ownership in media spaces. And, you know, you have the alternative broadcasts, right, that have been a big deal. And one of the stories, if you haven't read it yet, go read it about Pat McAfee. That goes back to what you're talking about. He goes, creates his own platform, gets his own kind of momentum, you know, has full ownership. And then ESPN, this, you know, what was, you know, one of the main hubs for sports media, if not the main hub, says we want to bring you back into the fold, but we'll still give you that autonomy. We'll still give you that ownership. How unique is that and how much do you expect to see more of that in the future? I think I think it's the new way things go. It's kind of like Substack is for us lowly writers. Yes. Like I have my thing. Shout out to Mark Stein. That's one Shout of my favorite Substacks. Yeah, Absolutely. But like I have my thing. And if some big media company comes to me and wants to give me an opportunity, I'll listen. Yeah. Sure. But my thing is my thing. You know, I'm, I'm like a lawyer who puts up a shingle and says, Brian Curtis Esquire. <laughs> this is the thing you can rent. Yes. Not own. And yeah, I think that is absolutely the way of the future. It's, it's a lot more licensing and leasing than it is owning <laughs> or creating, right? Because that used to be the, uh, you know, you get paid in exposure. That was always the conversation at an ESPN or, you know, any of these these main hubs and media. If you go, uh, you know, across these Sky Sports, right? They say mm -hmm. we pay you in exposure. That is how you got, you know, you kind of cut your teeth here in this lane. I wanted to ask you about the gap between ESPN, talking about those behemoths, between ESPN and TNT, their coverage in general. We have Inside 
led the NBA, Emmy nominated, Emmy winning. You know, everyone. You know, there's there's such praise, right, for how great this show is. We have these fun moments between these characters, and then you have ESPN, which much maligned. A lot of conversation about people want more, expect more. How large is that gap between the two, and how much can we point to just the the continuity of it all, right? Because that seems like a, it's a big factor as well. That's a huge part of it. And people who've talked about the ESPN pregame show right now, I totally think they're right. But this is not the worst version of that pregame show. <laughs> this right. is better than We've the seen previous worse. Yeah. versions of that pregame show. I mean, Stephen A. just talking about the Knicks and sort of embracing the Knicks logo on a giant video mm-hmm. screen. This is better than the previous version of the show. So, you know, I think there's a huge gap. And I also think there's a huge gap in the game production as well. Mike Breen, we'll talk about in a second, is awesome. I love Jeff Van Gundy. I think they do a fantastic job. Mark Jackson, I think that number one team is really good. But I don't know, it might just the nerdy guy that when LeBron James has an incredible reverse dunk, because I believe he did against the Kings mm-hmm. in the playoffs, and then we go to, like, Mr. Big Stuff or some song that played on the oldie station in Texas when I was growing up, and I'm like, no, this is totally taking me out of NBA action. Right. Where's my theme song? Where, where's, where, where, where are things to keep me excited? The whole production just feels like it needs a refit, that it's parts of several different things that are trying to appeal, again, to the point a minute ago, to lots of different people. I don't know. I just feel they need to freshen that whole thing up. Yeah, it feels like they had like you know the music that they're using is like public domain music that they uh, that it's cheaper to use and cheaper to, to get. <laughs> it's through. like a podcast. Yeah, right. I mean, it's smart. We get it. We we're here to podcast. Never. Do so- I just miss Round Ball Rock? Is that what it is? <laughs> like, I just need a theme song yeah. to pump me up. Fox Sports is like, well, don't worry, we got you. College yeah. basketball, we'll play it. Um, yeah, that's exactly. it's always a, an interesting thing. You mentioned uh, Mike Breen, and I was reading talking about the big three, the big three commentators that are in this, the, the big three that you need to. No, Mike Breen, Kevin Harlan, and Ian Eagle, of yep. course. Ian Eagle is incredible. I love Ian Eagle. Came on a One Shining Podcast, told us some great stories. Going to be the voice of March Madness. But let's start with Mike Breen because you described him as excellent. He doesn't have any of these distinct qualities, but he just kind of represents and exudes and embodies excellence, right? I think his quality is just always so good. Mm-hmm. And he's just performing at this amazing level. I think this is going to be his 18th NBA Finals this oh, wow. year and 18th in a row. So just think of anything that's happened on television for 18 consecutive years that is not Jim Nance calling the Final Four. Um, Whenever I see him, I just think of, like, what he's doing is so great. It's funny. He had a moment in Game 4 of the Lakers-Nuggets series where he didn't see a play. He didn't see the way it ended. And Mark Jackson had to do the analyst thing where he's like, oh, actually, they're going to call a foul here, whatever he said. And it stuck out because it never happens. Like, Mike Breen sees everything, and he calls everything correctly. So, yeah, there's just a certain, like – Terminator quality to him as a broadcaster. He's amazing. Yeah, and uh, Bang, obviously we know the call. He has a signature call. Another bang. guy. <laughs> How about Jamal Murray looking at him and going, no, no, <laughs> yeah, bang. I, yeah, say yeah. it now. I, I get to say it. Right I, now. Yeah, right. That was a nice, uh, beautiful moment. Another beautiful moment in media actually happened in March Madness with Kevin Harlan, who's calling the NBA playoffs, and we talked about this on the podcast, but he they had the cameras on him, and it was a shot that was made against Virginia, the Furman game, and he kind of just says, let this breathe. He holds back. I think it was uh, Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, that was with him but he was like let the moment settle let the moment breathe and we got this nice snapshot into kind of the artistry behind the play-by-play call what do you see from Kevin Harlan you said he's a a firm handshake at a barbecue that's how you described him and I think that's a great way to describe him (laughs) the Midwest dad right there's certain Midwest dad quality to him and that's what he is and it's so funny you bring up that moment because he's so big right Mm. his voice is so big it's so distinctive and yet there's a moment where we just need to be quiet here 
We know. I think he's had the best call the whole postseason. Jimmy freaking Butler. That was awesome, right? It was great for the moment because that was a three-pointer that just somehow bounced in. But it was also like Jimmy freaking Butler is the story of the playoffs. And you can say something in the moment that's clearly not rehearsed and have it become the guy's go-to nickname and describe what he has done as long as they finish off the Celtics. Amazing. And it kind of came straight, like you said. It's almost like from the gut. It's yeah. not preconceived. There, There's no real thought into it. It just kind of, as a fan, that's how you felt. And he is the voice of you at some level. Um, and now I want to ask about Ian Eagle. He's the third guy here. And Ian is, you know, one of those guys that he is thinking about his calls. He yes. is trying to, you know, he's very meticulous about the experience and letting it breathe. And he's got such a wide breadth of knowledge when it comes to the media landscape. What does he have that is so particular and so moving because when you listen to Ian Eagle you just feel comfortable as he guides you through a game intellectual Mm. uh also flawless right he had some streak when he was calling Nets games earlier in his career and he was like I can't remember the number of years but something like 10 years where he claimed he had never made a mistake never misidentified a player never said the foul was on the wrong guy he just never made a mistake there was this whole period where he was just I I got this right he was trying to prove himself he was like perfect yeah yeah and what he was thinking was look I'm I'm calling Nets games. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on NBC or ESPN yet. You know, I'm the young guy, and I want to show everybody that I can do this. Um, also, there's there's also this kind of hammy quality to it. He loves the puns. Mm. You know, I remember there was a Zublaka a few years ago right. in the playoffs. Like he loves <laughs> to bring out that sort of dad joke kind of thing that you grin at and groan at. at but the it same feels time. like he's kind of in on it too when he does Absolutely. that. Like he's kind of wink winking. Like this is so obvious. I have to say it. And I, and, and I apologize for saying it, but I have to say it. And I think that's like the humor that you know, if you're a Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld type fan. Yes, I mean, it's Letterman. Kind of that, yeah, Letterman. Exactly. There is that that real kind of <laughs> New York comedy quality to him. I love him. Is there any? Uh, commentator obviously we talked about the big three is there any commentator that kind of sits outside of the big three in the playoffs that you say man it'd be great if we got him on the call as, as we look at the next media rights deal for the NBA is it like a Gus Johnson I know a lot of people in the March Madness space would love to have Gus back on the call and he got some he got some, got some, NBA, burn this year. got some NBA games that was cool you know I also think of radio guys that are locally mm. John Ireland Sean Grandy and stuff like that and I love unplugging from mm. television and this is usually why I'm washing dishes at home, but just putting you know earbuds in and turning on my like Sirius XM app so I can listen to that because it's a totally different call, and it just sounds different than something you hear on national television. But it is also this incredibly high level of professionalism and just really, really cool and good. Yeah, it's great. I wanted to ask you just uh, you know, and this might be a little bit of an open-ended question, and maybe it's more of your taste. But is there a play-by-play guy for an NBA team right now that you're saying? Let's bump this guy up to the main. You know, let's let's get him up to the to mainstream and let everybody see how great he is. Because I mean, I know the Hornets. We have one. I mean, he's always with Lamelo and in some of these calls. I mean, Eric does a great job. But is there anyone that you kind of you know hone in on and say he might be the guy? Grandy's really good. That'd be a name I'd come up with. And I haven't done a full survey, but it's always amazing to me because I like basketball commentators. And me you too. could say this about the big three, who have spent their entire career calling basketball, because you can tell. Mm-hmm. You can tell they know the rhythms of the game. My favorite story about Kevin Harlan, 1982, he is a senior at the University of Kansas, KU. Wow. He gets a message on the answering machine at his frat house that tells him (laughs) he is the new play-by-play commentator, play-by-play announcer of the Kansas City Kings, now the Sacramento Kings, when he is 22 at KU. Just imagine that. Now, that's amazing, but it also means that for 40 years, the better part of, he's been calling basketball. 
So he sounds like a basketball commentator. He doesn't sound like a football announcer who's moonlighting at basketball. And I have to, just going off that, I know Jim Nance was hired at 30 to kind of take over the March Madness. You know, I mean, when you hear those things and they kind of, and you know, Iron Eagle now taking over, he's in his 50s. So it's a little bit different now. Do you you worry about the next generation? Because sometimes if you can't get in early and kind of get that experience, are we setting up for the next generation that comes in? Are we setting them up to fail in this traditional media landscape? Sure, but it's always been a problem in broadcasting. <laughs> Broadcasters are like Supreme Court justices, right? You know, it's a, it's not quite you don't quite have that much tenure, but you have it pretty close. Mm-hmm. Go into your seventies. Sometimes you can go into your eighties, and you know, I'm sure young broadcasters are like, man, wouldn't it be great if that guy wanted to spend some time on a tropical island? Yeah, absolutely. Or go skiing with more of his time. But what are you going to do? And of course, then you and I go. Well, we love Vern Lundquist calling this. We thing. love we Brent love Musburger, Michaels. right, we with the Raiders. Brent. We yeah. love Brent. So, it's it's a tough one. Yeah, and everyone likes the familiarity because you can kind of go back to your childhood, and then you come back to you know as you're getting into your adulthood, and you have that connective tissue, and that's Dude, what people want. Totally. When I started covering media, it was amazing. All the stars of television were the same people who were the stars when I was in elementary school. <laughs> right. Not when I was in high school or college, but when I was in elementary school. And I looked around, it was the same people. I was like, what basketball writer could say that? Mm. What football writer can say that? These are people I've been with literally my whole life. It's funny. Yeah, it's very funny. And uh, it's also very cool when it does work out that way. And it kind of feels like you're just, it, it feels like you're friends, right? And that's obviously what Jim Nance has leaned into and says, hello, friends, and made that a whole kind of shtick. But it's real. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
I wanted to ask you about the art of the take because we live in the world of take artists. Um, this is outside of the traditional what? media. What landscape. at the ringer? Yeah, well, everywhere. I mean, unfortunately, no, it's, true. it's everywhere. Um, or fortunately, whatever, however you feel about it. But some good, some bad. How much has that kind of um, you know approach to media changed everything when it comes to studio shows? I mean, because like you said, ESPN, we go to halftime. We're expecting Stephen A. Smith to come on and go after somebody, have some big you know moment, right? And it, it's almost like WWE a little bit, right, with these take it artists. Is. I find what's jarring for me is you know i'm not shy about people having big opinions mm. i was reading 90 sports columnists in newspapers those guys were not shy and retiring yeah so just the, read the headlines you don't even have to read the piece this idea that somebody's <laughs> gonna have like a huge opinion about sports like, and and, that, and i think it's fine mm-hmm. in fact i think sometimes we we in this new generation are a little shy and we should have bigger opinions and just be like okay i can be nuanced but also i just need to have a take about this what jars me when i see those shows is how personal it is between Stephen A. and a basketball player. Right. Like, I am calling you out. I am addressing you personally the, right now. Uh, Colin Coward and Aaron Rodgers is the one that comes to mind to me. It feels like, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers did to him, but it feels as if every time it's a conversation, it's like he's talking to Aaron Rodgers through the camera, right? I mean, it is personal. Yeah, and I understand how that makes for good television, or at least television that people want to watch. Because I'm, it wa- does, I'm watching. It does have a WWE quality. <laughs> yes. I am cutting a promo on you right now. Right. And I almost expect you to walk down the ramp and <laughs> challenge me for the World Heavyweight Championship. I totally understand that. But as a viewer, it is jarring to me and it's not the way i don't get on the press box and go bob costas listen up i've got something to say to you right now <laughs> listen up bub i don't want to look at, get the camera on me here we go so kyle turned the camera on it's a lot of that and uh, i always find it fascinating the other thing i find fascinating is the transition from a media personality back to the actual basketball we've seen steve kerr do it um there's a lot of conversations right now about jj reddick um, and J.J. Reddick's name has been, I think he was the favorite at one point to be the new Sixers head coach. I don't know what the odds are now. We can ask our friends at FanDuel about that. But when you look at you know the current media landscape and just that transition back into coaching, is, is there someone that you think is is ripe for that transition? Is it a J.J.? Is it a Richard Jefferson? Um, you know, Tristan Thompson went from talking on ESPN to playing in you know the Western Conference wild. Finals. I was trying to think of precedent for that, and the only thing I could come up with was Jay Cutler. Do you remember when he mm-hmm. signed with Fox to be like their number two NFL commentator and then decided to go play for the Dolphins? Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't stay away. He could have been Greg Olson, <laughs> and he went and decided to go play for the Dolphins, and then his career was over. Um, it's a great question. I mean, also, I could see people coming back. I mean, Nick Nurse is going to get an NBA job. Yes. But if he didn't want to, could Nick Nurse be an announcer? I think probably so. Monty right. Williams they right. didn't want another NBA job, and he'll get one, too. Could he come be an announcer? Even Doc Rivers is Doc a guy. Doc Rivers has called at NBA Finals. Yes. We forget 2005 with Al Michaels. But, yeah, he could absolutely do it. So it's a good question about somebody that could go from one to the other. And this is, of course, by the way, Jeff Van Gundy, who's in the number one slot, has kind of said, I don't want to do that anymore, mm. mostly. right? That part of my life, barring something miraculous, is over. So I'm going to concentrate on this. And, by the way, that's why coaches usually aren't good broadcasters. Is because they're always auditioning for their next job. Right, and we've seen that, you know, just on a college level. I remember Tom Crean. Tom Crean was great on television for a year, and then he immediately was back into coaching again, went to Georgia, took the Georgia job. This is after the Indiana job. But that one year, I mean, he was getting – people were calling him like the Tony Romo of college basketball coverage on ESPN, (laughs) and Tony Romo is one of those guys, right? The first couple years, people were fawning over the fact that he knew so much about the game because he was just connected. And one thing I wanted to point out I thought was fascinating just in the Western Conference Finals, Tristan Thompson – he did the halftime interview 
and they probably did that right because he had already been doing media stuff beforehand, and they had a way in, right? I mean, that was fascinating, too. ESPN's like, yeah, get Tristan. We know he'll talk to us. <laughs> I saw Mina Kimes tweeting, I was just in a green room with Tristan Thompson not that long ago. Right. Now he's, we just did makeup together. He's yeah. playing huge minutes in an elimination game. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that kind of blew my mind. that blew my mind is the Denver Nuggets being in the NBA Finals and that leads to a conversation that I know you love and everybody loves if you like to laugh at the media landscape TV ratings everyone likes to talk about TV ratings are we concerned about the Denver Nuggets and the TV ratings um, that will happen in the NBA Finals this is such a softball because everybody (laughs) but me cares about TV ratings I'm the guy who always says they're not gonna pay me right or take money from me if the TV ratings. We're not bad. getting kickbacks at home. Yeah. Like they're not sending you a little Nielsen package with five hundred dollars saying thank you for watching. Totally. We appreciate it. The yeah. NBA Finals is not like The Last of Us or Barry. They're not <laughs> going to cancel the NBA Finals if enough people don't watch. They're still going to play the finals and show it somewhere on television. So to me, the more interesting point is the Denver Nuggets mm. are just a team, and I don't want to sound like their head coach here, but are a team that just does not have a lot of national associations. Even with big basketball basketball nerds, I saw them when they were doing one of the games the other day. They were showing the retired jerseys in the rafters. Fat Lever's jersey was up there. Now, Alex I re- English. Yeah. I remember Fat Lever. I remember Alex English. How many people in this hive of basketball nerdery where we work know who Fat Lever is? Not many. Not many. They Never- should watch the tape, though. They'd learn a lot about offensive basketball. That was one of the totally. most fun teams ever. Yeah. No, no, no offense to Fat Lever. <laughs> but it's one of those things where how many people have you ever say heard say, I hate the Denver Nuggets? Never. In your entire life. Right. I love the Denver Nuggets, who are not a fan of theirs or from Denver or something like that. It's just a new team. It reminds me of the Bengals when they made the Super Bowl two years ago. And there were people who could not pronounce the mascot, who were saying, oh, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. So the Bengals... Are you just so not used to this team being good that you don't know how to pronounce the mascot? I feel that's kind of where we are with Denver right now. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario because in the ABA, Denver was a really good team, and Larry Brown coached them back in the ABA before they moved to an NBA team. So they have this history. One ABA titles. Right, exactly. There's a lot of people. I, I saw You know, the, the, the bottom line was Nuggets make their first finals, and then there were some historians that were like, no, they didn't. You know, Wait. Remember the ABA and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> But it is true. It feels like it's a team that, you know, we Mello, Carmelo put them back on the map. They had a nice little run, you know, in between Mello and that trade with, you know, Ty Loss in the 2013 team. That was fun. Um, JaVale McGee early on in his career, J.R. Smith, right? But in general, they just felt like they were an afterthought. And now they're the center of attention. And one of my favorite tropes happening in media right now, I, I talked to Van Lathan about this, is Every show starts with, let's talk about the Nuggets, give them their flowers, let's make them the center of attention, and then the next block, I'm not even kidding, will be, is LeBron going to retire? <laughs> I mean, how, how do we deal with that? And I how feel do... sometimes they're reverse. <laughs> right. Sometimes we start with LeBron. It's amazing, because the whole Nuggets thing of like, nobody pays attention to us, yeah. you're paying attention to the Lakers, and it actually kind of turned out to be true. Nobody they believed in them. us is usually not real. Right. And I saw some people tweeting after game four. They're like, the Nuggets are a worthy Western Conference champion. <laughs> yeah, you think? They just won the four games in a row. Yeah. What did they have to do to be a worthy champion if not sweep the Lakers and LeBron James? 
it's funny because mm. you know we were. I feel like we were kind of preparing for Lakers Celtics. Yes, we knew that was a possibility. America that, was ready for it, and that's like opening Lunchables as a media member. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, it's a cheese. We know mm-hmm. how to do this. Mm-hmm. We've done this. This is a kit, <laughs> right? We got this. We know the association. We know the celebrities. We know right. the call. Then we get Denver. We're like, who who do we call? Mm. What do we say? It's just new. For a, for a take meister like ourselves. And you had Mark Spears come on your show. Mark Spears is obviously a national NBA guy now, but he did the beat. He covered the beat in yeah. Denver, and he, he gave some great insight to what that beat looks like. There's some wild stories. I didn't even remember. Right. I was like, wait, the players boycotted practice? Right. I, I missed that. And, and, and how crazy is that where it feels like such a local team in, in a world where the NBA feels very national and even global, really, is what it comes down to. But they just still feel local, which is kind of um, almost quaint, right? That's kind of the best. That's way to describe the Nuggets. They're just a very quaint, fun team. One of my first memories as a sports fan, or let's say as an adult-ish sports fan, we're in high school, and the Mavericks were one of the absolute worst teams in the league. This may have even been middle school. I mean, they were about to set the record or tie the record for fewest wins in NBA history. So my buddy and I went to the game and brought tons of basketball cards, and they were playing the Nuggets. And I just remember, <laughs> after the game, walking from the upper deck down onto the court, this is how little security there was and how little anyone cared onto the court to get LaFonso Ellis's autograph. I didn't want the Mavericks autographs. <laughs> no, no thanks. <laughs> I don't want to want those cards. You want LaFonso. But that was like that was fine. Because it was Mavericks Nuggets and nobody really cared. Yeah. And now you got LaFonso Ellis on ESPN doing college basketball right. stuff. Great guy. Um, last question for you. I see right behind you we got Magic and Bird. They get the credit for changing the NBA. The storyline between those two guys obviously yeah. was amazing. Now we have a situation where you have Nikola Jokic, you have a Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're both international guys, but they also you know draw their own intrigue and interest. You know, and then the number one pick is going to be Victor Wimbanyama. You got Luka Doncic, you got Joel Embiid. How fascinating is it and how different is it for the American media to sell the storylines and the narratives of these players who are foreign-born that aren't as relatable as, say, a Magic and a Bird? Well, I think the, the relatable question is an interesting one, right? Because why can't they be as relatable? Right. As Giannis likes else? Oreos. He's yeah, told us a million times. Totally. And as being a kind of a nominal Mavericks fan not living in that area anymore, like, Luka's huge. Mm-hmm. Dirk Nowitzki was huge before them. You right. know, they were almost Cowboys level of fandom, but that's the <laughs> ultimate Dallas area fandom. So, you know, I, I always think it's one of those things where it's like, we want to see the best basketball players in the world in the NBA and who they are, where they're from. Whatever, mm. you know, Denver's a funny because it's just like you said, it's not a franchise that has gotten a lot of run ever in NBA history. So a lot of people are like, oh, man, I just haven't watched him play all that much. <laughs> right. And then your your dad or grandpa's like, I remember David Skywalker Thompson. Right. You know, I mean, those, those are <laughs> Comes the in with that. Take, <laughs> yeah, right. He's the best <laughs> I ever fat ever lever. <laughs> they don't make him like fat lever anymore. No, but there's this whole. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm always like. It's one of those things we always talk about this in the media. I feel we've had conversations in baseball and everything about this, but I feel like at some end of the day, we want to see the best basketball players alive. Absolutely. And, that's, and that is clearly the case here. And that is the best uh, storyline that you can have. When you have the best players in the world, you can sell that pretty easily, and that's yeah. good news for Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA. He is Brian Curtis of the Press Box. Where else can we find your work? I want everyone to go read it because it's really the best in the business. You're very nice. Uh, the Press Box, ringer.com, as you mentioned earlier, you at Brian Curtis with a Y. <laughs> on Twitter, no yeah. Eyes. yeah. That's there where you it go. all is. Yeah, no I in team, no I in Brian Curtis. Thanks so much for coming <laughs> on the show, Brian. Thank you, Tim.